0: Well, good morning. You know, a few years ago, uh, my daughter and I, well, I kind of made her do a ropes course with me. Have you ever done a ropes course where you're balancing? You have to do all these things, like you step from one thing to the next, and then you swing across it, and and it's terrifying. And um, I had my, my daughter, who's afraid of heights, um, I had her do that with me. And that's kind of what... Uh, my message has felt like this week too. Like I have been blown away. I have been learning so much. I've been a a Christian for 30 years and I'm still blown away by how much I've been learning about prayer and about practical prayer and living a lifestyle of prayer. And so that's really what we're talking about with contending for God's presence through prayer. It's kind of demystifying prayer and making it just really practical, making our lives a life, a life of living in God's presence, not just coming to church for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, but actually living in God's presence and contending against all of the other things that would prevent that, that would distract us from that. So as we go into this message today, I've called it, It's, it's Okay to Ask, discovering new truths about prayer. And um, I want to talk with you kind of about about a secret about prayer. And I'm going to reveal to you a secret that was really revealed to me by, by the Lord and by my studies this week. So um, I think it's only fitting that we would pray right now before we get into this message so that not only so that I would speak God's words but that you would receive what it is that the Holy Spirit has for you this morning, okay? So if you could just put your hands out like this and as a symbol that you want to receive. Lord, Lord, we come into your presence, Lord. Your word says that we should come into your presence boldly because of the throne of grace. Lord, we come into your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, we enter into your courts with praise. We praise you, God, because you are good, and you are kind, and you are loving. And Lord, your your desire for us is that we would walk with you, Lord, and and you want to teach us today. You want to teach each one of us what it means to live in your presence, Lord, to pray without ceasing, to have a lifestyle of prayer, being fully aware of who you are. And we just thank you, and I pray, God, for each person who hears this message, Lord, that their lives would be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Lord, they would hear something new this morning, no matter if they, if they have been a Christian for 40 years, or if they're a new Christian, or if they haven't even come to know you. I pray for your spirit of revelation, your spirit of truth to come upon each one of us, Lord, that each one of us would grow deeper with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, what are some reasons why we don't pray? Anybody think of any reasons why don't we pray? We think we're too busy, Yep. What else? Seems awkward, okay. What else? to memorized the rote prayer why else we forget that's a good one yeah i'm sorry don't know what to pray yep what else pride i think the main reason that we don't pray and maybe i'm stepping out on a limb here i think the main reason that we don't pray and this is not to bring any condemnation whatsoever. This is just what I've found is I don't know if we really believe that prayer really works. Don't you think that would be the reason? Because I think that if we really believed that prayer worked, we would pray. We would pray more, wouldn't we? and that's kind of our theme today is why why do we pray let's discover some new things about praying and again i think that when we hear we hear about prayer and we hear you know that we should we should pray my brother always says stop shouldn't on me <laughs> you know that we 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 get this sense of oh i'm falling short or i don't pray the right way. Today, we're going to dispel all of those excuses and all of the reasons and all of the the misconceptions about prayer. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but I hope that um, today that we will go deeper in our understanding of really what it is to pray and to live in God's presence. Um, And I also want to talk with you about the purpose of prayer. I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to get through everything, so this might be a two-part series, but when my kids were younger, I did homeschool my kids, and um, I came up with a little acronym for pray, and it is praise. P is praise. R is repent. A is ask, and Y is yield. So if you can remember that, pray or P is praise, repent, ask, and yield. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, it's really interesting to me, you know, when Jesus says, I don't want you to just do like like James was saying, these rote prayers, just say the same prayer over and over and over again. Jesus says, Don't be like the pagans who just babble on and on, or be like the Pharisees who just say these empty prayers that don't mean anything, or or these, these rote prayers. Instead, when when Jesus' disciples came to him, this is what he said. He said pray like this and I I don't want you to shut down if you've been a Christian for any length of time I know that you've heard this but remember we prayed that you'd have a new revelation today that Jesus would show you something new and something deep in this. He says our father in heaven may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. When I lived in the Bay Area, I used to have a little uh, music business called Black Tie Entertainment. And I did lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of weddings. And a lot of times when I would do a Catholic wedding in particular, they would ask me to sing the Our Father. And so I would sing, it's called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. It, it's, these are the lyrics <laughs> from that particular song. And it's so astounding to me. What, when I grew up, I went to a church where we did the, the written out prayers and it was always the same every week, over and over. And I just think it's so ironic that the thing Jesus warns us against is saying these things empty and meaninglessly. And even you know, when I would sing at these weddings, I was singing the word of God. So I, I was taking advantage of the opportunity to sing God's word. But I know that most of the people that were there probably say this prayer every single week when they go to church. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Just wrote and missed the whole spirit of it. And so that's what we're going to break down today. You know, the thing is, I'm reading this book, and I think I've told you about this before. Um, It's called With... And I would strongly recommend that you read it. A lot of times, I, I'm not a big proponent of reading a whole bunch of Christian books if it takes away my time from reading the Bible. But this particular book has really been revolutionary in my thinking. Um, and, and I'm just going to break it down a little bit. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But it's called With, and it's by a guy named Sky Jeth Tani. And his whole premise is that there are four ways that most people have the tendency to view God. One of them, he says, is over God. And that kind of means it's either, it's maybe like an atheist or someone who doesn't really believe in the power of God. And they're kind of like, you know, I, I've got this. I can handle this on my own. So living over God. Then there are those who live under God, which means they're scared that if they, if they sin or if they do something wrong, that God's going to be mad at them or God's going to withhold his love from them or God's going to curse them or whatever it is so there's over god then there's under god then there's the from god which we like to call the blab it and grab it movement the name it and claim it you know the well if you do these things god is going to give you a mercedes (laughs) you know because that's how god is right you know that that you do these things in order to get and typically it's material possessions you so you live from god so over god under god from god And then there's the last one that looks like it's the healthiest, but it's living for God. It's like, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do all these things for God. And, and, you know, I'm going to lose my life for God. But missing the entire point that all that Jesus says is that he wants to live with us. He doesn't want to live beneath us. He doesn't want to live over us. He doesn't want to just be the slot machine in the sky, you know, and he doesn't want us to, to break our, our, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, to burn ourselves out. I think so many people get burnt out serving God because they're not serving with the right motivation. You know, I think really if you're called to something or to a certain area or a ministry God will give you the grace. God will be compassionate and kind and you will have the grace to do what God's called you to do. But we are supposed to live with God. And so that's why we are the first thing, the P in praise. We're supposed to remember who God is. And I love this. He is our father. And, and I think, Sat and pondered, why is it that he says our and not my? And I think this is because he wants us to know that we're part of a family, that we're part of the family of God, that he's our dad, he's our papa, he's our Abba. That's the word, the, the original word is, it is like he's our daddy. And, and that he wants us to be unified as his kids, We have this in Romans 8, it talks about the spirit of the adoption. He's adopted us into his family. And the thing that we we forget is that he loves to hear your voice. He loves the sound of your voice. You know, when I when I'm at home, sometimes and and my daughter will come over and and bring over um, my two-year-old grandson and my four-month-old granddaughter. And sometimes I'll be upstairs. My daughter has a key to my house just in case you ever need to get in. And um, she'll come over, and all of a sudden I'll hear Mimi, because I'm Mimi. I'll hear his voice, Mimi, Mimi, where are you? The sound, not like this. I mean, that's grating, but the sound of his voice, to my ears, It's the sweetest sound I've ever heard. And that's how the Lord feels about you when you just come to him and you say, our father. And again, I want to be sensitive. I know that there are those of you and you may have a broken relationship with your father or your father may have been abusive or, or he might not have been a great dad, but I can tell you our heavenly father is perfect and he's crazy about you, and he loves to hear your voice. So when you come to him and you say, our father in heaven, which means that he is above everything. He wants us to know he is over everything. He's above everything. He's over every one of our circumstances, even when it feels like he's not, even when it feels like he's forgotten us. He is over everything. And then it's The second thing is, so we remember who God is. The second thing is, we remember who we are to him. We remember, first thing, we remember, oh, I'm sorry. The first thing is, we remember who we are to God. I said those backwards. Then the second thing is, we remember who God is. He is holy, which means he's perfect. He's complete. He's self-contained. There's nothing more that can be added to God because he's eternal. He is holy, he is unchanging, he is constantly loving. And the third thing is to remember his kingdom, to remember the things that are important to God. You know, it talks about over and over and over, Matthew specifically talks about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is here. And here we are saying, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of people like to say that this just means, Lord, let me have your perspective. Let me let your kingdom come into me. But really, this is talking about may his kingdom come. You know where it says in Revelation, come Lord Jesus. He wants us to, this is really convicting to me because I don't pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. I mean, I pray it over my life. I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let me have your perspective. Let me care about the things you care about right? Which I think we should, but it's saying may your will be done, which means complete surrender and trust that God is good. He is our father in heaven and he's holy and that everything that happens in his will is perfect. Even when evidence would look otherwise, the kingdom of heaven is near you. That's what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we need, to, we need to open ourselves up to the possibility that it's not about this. It's, I don't mean you. I mean, it's not about this, this earth, that there is a kingdom that is so far above us. It's the kingdom of heaven. And that is where God dwells. And he wants us to be with him, seeing things from his perspective and crying out for his return upon the earth. Right? Yes? Yes. So this is what he's asking us. And as we do that, as we open ourselves and offer ourselves to him in that way, it begins to change us. You know, the spirit of the Lord should change us. We should look different in the world. I remember after I became a Christian, I, I used to work at, um, at a Hilton and there was this particular woman there named Rita and Rita was tough. She was really tough. And um, she, I could tell you Rita stories, but she, everybody was afraid of Rita and she was like this high. She was a Middle Eastern woman and she, was, she just cracked the whip. And I remember I worked with her terrified most of the time, because if you'd make a mistake, she was not very forgiving. But I remember after I became, so I worked with her before I became a Christian. And then after I became a Christian, I was playing piano at this elegant party at the Fairmont Hotel in in, uh, San Jose. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and she was bartending over in the corner. And I had a little PTSD, but I got up, and I went over to her, and I said hi to her she looked at me. She said, you look so different. What is it? She goes, did you lose weight? I was like, no. (laughs) She's like, you look so different. And I had an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with her. And I told her what had happened to me. But she said it even before I said anything. After, when my husband became a Christian, so many people would come up to him and say, You look so different. But one of the things that we used to do right when Eric became a Christian, what we would do is we would sit, just sit, and wait for the presence of God. That manifest presence that I talked about last week, the manifest presence that even in the midst of chaos, you can sense his peace and his love. And we would always do that. So when Jesus becomes your whole life, it should should bring about that change. And even in how you look, rather than compartmentalizing, you know, sometimes I think it's easy for us to, there's the Jesus box and there's the work box and there's the home box and there's the friend box and there's the entertainment. Jesus is saying, I wanna be Lord of your life, the whole life. So the, the second thing, the R is repent. And this is where I wondered about why why God went right from uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right into give us this day our daily bread. I wondered about the order of that. And I think maybe the reason that he had to do that was because we don't trust him sometimes that he's going to provide especially when we're going through a drought or we're going through hard times or whatever it is it's really hard for him to trust provision and i don't mean just material provision i mean if you're having health problems or if you're having relational problems or if you're if you're struggling with internal issues and and pain and bondage and and maybe anxiety and stress it's hard to believe that god really wants to provide for all of our needs according to his riches but here to ask for provision. Matthew 6:11 says, "Give us today the food we need." The the word today, it's um it's hard to translate it, but it really basically this this is asking, "God, provide everything that I need today, not just what I want." You know, remember the, the living from God. It's, God, if I do all these things right, then you owe me. That's not how that works. <laughs> that is not, how, God owes us nothing. Remember, years ago, um, my district supervisor did this message called, Nobody Owes You Anything. And, you know, I think in America, it's easy for us to feel kind of entitled and kind of feel like God owes us. He's already given us everything we need. Everything we need for life and godliness. And this is the place where you pray for provision. This is a place where you pray for your family, you pray for your work relationships, you pray for your church, you pray for your leaders, you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, like the Bible says. So you pray for your spouse. Always pray blessings on your spouse. Don't tattle on your spouse. I think sometimes it's so easy to do that because we see them, but pray blessings. Pray for that provision that God would work in them and bless them. And then pray for your kids. Pray for the protection of your kids. Pray that your kids would draw near to God. And then pray for work. You know, pray for your situation at work. Pray for your house, your home life. And then pray for me. <laughs> Please? <laughs> I mean it. Please do. <laughs> but that daily provision and and. And when I do this, when I pray this, I ask, you know, God, show me what I need to see. Like, feed me, feed my soul, that daily bread, you know, that he's asking us to ask him for. And and I ask God to give me his word for you so that when I stand up here, I don't waste your time. I never want to waste your time. I only want to speak the very words of God to you. So the next point is ask for forgiveness. He says, Forgive us our sins. So now when we've determined who we are in him, we're his kids, we're his beloved kids, and he is God in heaven, and we invite him to come, let his kingdom come, not only into our lives, but into the earth, and we've asked him for provision, then it gets to this part. Show me where I need to repent. Lord, show me where I need to change my thinking. This is a really practical thing because he actually wants to show you, not because he's mad at you or not because he's, he's gonna flick you off the face of the earth, but because whatever it is that, that, that is called sin, falling short of God's glory or doing what, what we ought not to do or not doing what we ought to do, he knows that it's hurting us See, everything of God is motivated because of his love and his goodness. So he's saying, ask for forgiveness. And the Lord is faithful. He will start to show you things where you need to repent. Remember last week we talked about that place of humility. You know, it was really hard for me when I first became a Christian to admit that I'd done anything wrong because that was not a safe thing for me. And so, here it is. You're covered under the bubble of your daddy that he just he loves you and he's going to provide for you and then you can say I'm sorry. Please forgive me for gossiping or lusting or whatever it is. And you know our position in Christ doesn't change according to our performance. We are always his kids. And and I just, I think, you know, when I first became a Christian, when I would sin, whatever that happened to be, it would make me not want to come into God's presence. Like, uh. And I think that, that a lot of times we, we kind of don't want to go into his presence because we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm unclean. Like, I'm, I'm not worthy to go into his presence. But, you know, now... It's like when I sin, and I hate to burst your bubble, but I do sin. Um, It's like I can't wait to get in his presence and just receive his grace. You know, the amount of time that it takes me to, to go to him. Because I understand, and this is what he wants us to understand, it's not about what we do. His love isn't contingent upon that, but he wants to set us free from those things that are hurting us. So it's like I go into his presence quickly. Sin should make us want to to get reconciled. Um, I'm going to tell another Jackson story. So, sorry. Um, So one day, uh, he was sitting in his high chair, and he looks at me and goes, Mimi, need spank. I was like, what? What do you mean? Need spank. And I was like, why? Why? And then I looked. Do you guys know what Aussie bites are? They're these little um, round, really kind of healthy things with seeds. And he had taken it and gone like this all over the floor the entire thing, which is a huge mess. He had dropped it on the edge of the floor. But you see, he wanted, he had a guilty conscience because he knew that what he did was wrong. So he wanted to be reconciled. And so he tattled on himself. And that's how we should be. You know, Jesus needs spank. (laughs) You know, I need to be disciplined because I want to be reconciled with you. I want to, not that, not that he, turns his back on us, but that he wants to pour out his grace and his forgiveness on us. So the next one is forgive others. So after we've cleansed our own conscious conscience and said, Jesus, forgive me, that's the point. He, you notice he doesn't do it the other way around. <laughs> he doesn't start out with giving us opportunities to forgive other people. It's this process that he has for us that he wants us to forgive other people in the same way that we have been forgiven. There is nothing that will keep you from clarity with the Lord, with hearing his voice and reading his word like unforgiveness. I just told my daughter last night, I said, you know, the older I get, the less I just, I, I want to hold things against people. You know, it's like the more I walk with the Lord, the less I want it. I go, it's, it's just hard to remember, you know, She goes, you could put something in your phone to remind you what they did against you. I was like, no. (laughs) But there is nothing like having no issue with anyone in your life. There is no better feeling than I don't have anything against anyone. And this is what the Lord is saying. Bring those people to him and forgive them in front of God. It is the most cleansing thing you can do. And again, this is not an easy process sometimes. Sometimes the sins that have been done against us are are bad. And it might be that process. You might have to forgive the same person a thousand times. Or like Jesus says, 77 times seven. But it's such a cleansing thing. Um, I don't have time to go into all this, but A is for ask. So P is for praise. Remember, praise is not the prayer. Praise is just preparation for understanding how to pray. But here, this is the crux of it. This is really the main point right here, is that it's okay to ask. Almost every single verb that means prayer in the, in the New Testament, and I... Have all I did this huge word study on it. Almost every single one means to ask, and you know, sometimes we're like, Oh, I can't ask, that's so self centered, I shouldn't ask. That's what prayer really is. Even when you're saying, Your kingdom come, Lord, let your kingdom come, Lord, let your will be done, Lord on earth as in in heaven, and and Lord, provide for all of my needs. Provide for the needs of my spouse and my family and my church. These are, we're asking, we're we're going to God, and we're asking, and the the point about this is that it, it is because of our dependence on him, and he wants us to ask. He wants us, and here's the reason why. This is the secret. John chapter 14, it says... You can ask anything in my name, and I will do it. So that, what? Can you read this? That the sun can... That is the point. You know, there's a balance between... Um, say, for example, like when I was in college... I would um, make promises to God. If I'm not pregnant, I promise I'll never do it again. You know, <laughs> that is not praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is not, you know what I'm saying? And I don't mean to be crude, but, but praying God's will, that's why I think he has us go through this whole thing first before we ask, before we start asking for things. We want his will to be done that the son can bring glory to the father so we ask anything here's the secret in his name in his will in the heart of God so you don't pray things contrary it's like God you know let me um like uh let me find a million dollars so that I can spend it on myself it's like do you really think God's gonna answer that prayer you know when I uh when I first came to Jesus I I was with a Swedish guy named Sven. And I prayed one night, God, please save him, save him, save him, Lord. Because I knew that I shouldn't be dating a non-Christian. I was like, please save him. And uh, and I believe that was the heart of God, to pray that. But then I went a little further and I was like, and please, let us get married. Please, Lord, let us get married. I was not praying the will of God. So... Obviously, God did not answer that prayer, but it is okay to ask. When you're asking for God's will to be done, for his kingdom to come, when you're asking him to provide for all of your needs, it's okay to ask. As a matter of fact, that is what prayer is all about, is asking, God, I'm contending for your presence. Lord, I want your presence. Lord, I know in your presence is fullness of joy. This is what he's telling us. And it says, Prayer is asking. That is what prayer is. But it's in the context of understanding who we are, who God is, what his kingdom is about, what his provision is about. And he says in Matthew 7, hold on. I lost my place, sorry. He says in Matthew 7, check this out. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. He's saying, parents, if your your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? And, or in John, it says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So it's ask, A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. Um, I, I went to the park. Sorry for all the grandparent or the grandchildren's stories, but I'm learning so much through them. They're two, they're I have a two-year-old grandson, two-year-old granddaughter, and four-month granddaughter. And I was with the two-year-old granddaughter the other day, and we were at the park. And we went down this like massive slide. I actually got dizzy. It was like, whoa, is this ever going to end? But after we were done, like she just giggled at the end. I had her in my lap, and she just giggled. And she goes, again, Mimi. Let's go again, Mimi. And she's like, I mean, it was just like, She didn't sit there and think, oh, I probably shouldn't ask her. That's why would, you know, she was like, let's do this again. And I feel like the Lord showed me that's how he wants us to ask him. God, do it again. Like we sang that song. Lord, I've seen you move. You've moved mountains in my life, God, and I want to see you do that again. Lord, I believe that you're faithful. I believe that you want to do these things. And he wants us to come boldly into his throne of grace. Because he's our dad. Because we're his beloved kids. And he wants us to say, again, God, do it again. Do the things you've done, again. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And the last thing, so it's praise, repent, ask. That's the point. Ask him. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. And the last thing is to yield to yield to him, don't let me yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. He's saying he wants us to just yield to him. And this is a good time to just listen, to sit and just let him speak to you. It says, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um. We have a prayer wall back there, and Ira is going to uh, come and talk with you about that a little bit. But I just, before we do that, I'd like to ask you to stand, invite the worship team to come back up. Um, I'd like us to pray this prayer together in Matthew 6, and I don't want you to pray it rote. Given everything we've just talked about, think about what you're praying. Think about what you're asking the Lord. Can we do that together? Okay, you ready? So could you put that prayer up there one more time? Hello. There it is. Pray like this. Now let's say it together. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.